going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Hills Are Silent podcast, where we chop it up about the games of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Another week down, another week of video games. Got some interesting stuff to talk about this episode, as we always do. Thanks for joining us. I'm Two Tone the Artist. And I am Mitch the Peach. Let's do this, guys. Yeah. All right, so Mitch, you've been playing something new. Again, you always got the lowdown on the exclusive games I've never even heard of. Never heard of this one either. So, <laughs> what you been playing? I've been playing a game called Fist, which is abbreviated as Forged in Shadow Torch. And uh, I actually just finished it uh, before the pod today, so I am excited that I can talk about the entire Higher thing as a package. It is a 2021 Metroidvania video game developed by TI Games, which I could not find any other games that this developer has created. Um, I am playing it on Xbox Game Pass. That is how I found it. My buddy uh, Swanee, who's a listener on the pod, shout out Swan. Uh, me and him were just looking through Game Pass games, and the, the art style like really struck me like right away. So I just decided, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to give this a try. I, I'm hit or miss on Metroidvania style games, but I, you know, I, I wanted to keep using my Game Pass subscription. So I dove in just to check it out. Yeah. And I got to say, when you told me it was a Metroidvania style game, I immediately assumed 2D graphics. Now, I see it's like it's 2D, like you're on a 2D plane, but it's 3D graphics. Yes. But I expected something like sprite-based or, or more cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The graphics are definitely a little bit unique with that style. Um, essentially, the game follows a rabbit called Rayton, who I guess they call him an anthropomorphic rabbit. He's a former ace pilot who, using a giant mechanical fist, hence the name Fist, rises up against the robotic legion that has invaded Torch City in an effort to liberate it from its oppressors. Very, you know, deep story, which is kind of not really what you expect from some Metroidvania games. They're usually not super in-depth story-wise. But I will say, kind of a spoiler, but I feel like the ending of the game really sucked. I honestly didn't even understand it by the end. Uh, I think they were trying to tease something for maybe another game if they create it, but uh, kind of a letdown because I I actually really enjoyed playing the game as a whole. And uh, I want to say I want to tap into what you were saying with kind of the atmosphere and the graphics. That's really what brought me into it and it really what kept me into it. Uh, some of like the jazz is like a really like big like musical theme within that there's like a couple towns like within within torch city that has some really good jazz music that i have i have my headphones on and i'm playing i can really just vibe to while i'm running around in the in these certain towns so some really cool music okay okay Uh, hold up question Mm -hmm. so you play your xbox with headphones on uh, d- d- no, not usually, but if I'm in a party chat with uh, with some friends while I'm playing, then I have my headset on because I'm talking to them through my headset, but I can also listen to the game sounds through it as well. Uh, I got like okay. a little thing where I can turn it to turn the game audio up and then turn it to make the chat audio louder. So, Got can... it. Okay. I thought maybe you were just like chilling in your living room just with headphones on. 
to listen to the game. Like you're trying to, were you playing it really late at night, trying to be quiet for the downstairs neighbors or something? That's what I was wondering. There are at my old place, especially when people could hear very easily through the walls. I would do that from time to time because I kind of wanted to be respectful. And uh, there was a time when somebody slid a note under my door saying I was being too loud, probably because I was playing a video game with the you know volume up quite a bit or watching a movie or something. So I was trying to, but uh, this new place, it's uh, uh, brick walls, a lot of concrete as well. So uh, I, I never hear a peep from anyone else. So I'm assuming they don't hear me either. Yeah, usually it goes both both ways. So do you remember exactly what you're doing when that person slid the note under your door? Like, were yeah, you playing video games? Anything, no, I think it has nothing to do with video games. I think I was out late, probably drinking with some friends, came home from my Uber probably around 2 a.m. And I just walked into my house at 2 a.m., probably drunk and hungry, made myself a sandwich, maybe was walking around with my shoes on too loud and people could hear the the footsteps under them or above them. Just, you know, I, I don't feel like I've ever been that what? loud. I'm a pretty quiet person. Dude, so you but, weren't even playing music or like watching a movie with the, the speakers on or it was just literally you walking around late at night and somebody was like, you're being too loud? Yep, Okay. just like that. They can piss off because that's so stupid. Like there is a fine line between that's why I'm glad I don't live in an apartment anymore. There's a fine line between being respectful and people needing to realize that they live in an apartment surrounded by other people who also inhabit this apartment. Yeah. Like walking around, like I remember having upstairs neighbors and I swear I thought they were just like dropping bowling balls every ten minutes. Like there would be loud thuds where I would, out of nowhere, I'd be like, okay, did somebody just get murdered and their body hit the ground? <laughs> but that, like, I never, I never complained about. But if somebody was like blaring music with with the subwoofer on for hours on end and just got the music so loud, yeah, that's a different that's story. Different. Yeah. But somebody just moving around, it. I would never complain about that. But yeah, I used and I used to be that guy. I remember as a teenager making beats. In my apartment and yeah the downstairs neighbor lady she hated my guts and uh, <laughs> crazy thing is, is she worked at the in the office for the apartment complex so she worked there and she lived there oh shoot and she would come up banging on the door and i'd open the door just be and i was an arrogant like idiot teenager and she would complain about my music and i would just tell her to piss off and she's like oh my baby's trying to sleep downstairs and then a couple of times she called the cops on me. Oh, man. And the cop showed up. And even the cop was like, I really don't even hear it. But we got a call. So can you please turn it down? Like I wasn't I was not that loud with it. But I think it was just the fact that I had like some big speakers that the bass was just too the much. bass was kind of. Yeah. Well, but the funny I, thing with the my my scenario was the person who slid the note in my door uh, called, uh, essentially she called what it was sleepy time hours. So she's like, she's like between the hours of 6 AM and, or like 11 PM and 6 AM, those are sleepy time hours and you need to be quiet. I'm like, I'm like, who do you think you are? Like setting hours for me? Like, excuse me? Yeah. I mean, what if you work like second shift or something and then right. that's when you're up, you're up at night cause you got to work cause you work in the evenings or something. And it wasn't like it was a Wednesday when I'm coming home at 2 a.m. and stomping around or just walking around because I don't really like I'm ever stomping. But, uh, yeah, it was like a Saturday night, so it's not even, you know. But 
I digress. Yeah. I will say, though, a really good pair of headphones is the solution for apartment living. So when I when I got older and became more res- respectful of my neighbors, I got a really good pair of um, studio headphones. So if I made beats or mixed music, I did it in those headphones. And my mixes turned out good. So you don't necessarily have to have huge speakers to enjoy music or to create music or really do anything. Like, yeah, headphones, win-win situation if you get a good, good pair. Anyway, that's totally sidetracked. All right, so back to the yeah. game. So, yeah, one thing yes. I have to say is the art style is very strange because it's almost like dark and and gritty looking, but yet you're mm-hmm. you're playing as like a anthro what is it anthropomorphic animal anthropomorphic rabbit. Yep. Yeah, it's just a weird character to have in such a dark gritty level design and yeah, every, the whole I guess the entire uh, universe that this is in are all animals, so they're all different types of animals that obviously act as like humans. Um, yeah, so a bit strange, but very like very dark tones, you know, obviously trying to liberate from, you know, this robotic legion. And, you know, you you play as a character who has a literal mechanical big fist and he's just beating the crap out of people the entire, you know, the entire game. So is so it like nonstop me- action or is there moments where... I meant you mentioned being in like towns and stuff. Are there moments of peace when you're not in combat? Yes. Yeah, there are times like you can go back to I teleported frequently back to this one specific town where I could like upgrade or you know, or like turn in my collectibles that I got to certain people. And that was where it was very like peaceful. Like one of the the only peaceful area within Torch City at that point or one of them. It does look so, like this is a high-quality game. Like just looking at the graphics and yeah. the detail, and even like the cutscene movie that they showed a snippet of, like it, it just blows my mind. That so many video games get made, and I know without promotion, a lot of games really don't make much money. But it takes a lot of money to make a game. Yeah. So it just it seems like a lot of work probably went into this, and the game just kind of flew under the radar. I always wonder how these games turn a profit. Yeah, I'm interested in that because it came out in 2021 just for PlayStation. It then got ported over to Switch after that. And then just in 2023 recently, it came over to Xbox via Xbox Game Pass. So I'm really kind of curious how the sales went from that. And maybe that's kind of the reason why it, you know, it kind of flew under the radar a little bit. But I honestly, like really well done like like you said like they must have put a lot of time into this and i feel like it deserves the respect so i'm glad i'm you know i have a, a platform to talk about it. it took me about 15 hours roughly to beat uh it was actually pretty challenging like i'm like a lot of metroid video games are challenging because of like boss fights that you have and there were a lot of boss fights and they're in very different environments doing very different things there is a Essentially, while you do have a robotic fist, you have three separate weapons that you work with throughout the game. You have the huge fist, you have a drill, and then you have a whip. And each one of those weapons has their own skill tree that you upgrade throughout the game to give you more to your arsenal to basically create combos and do you know the most damage possible. Within that, there are passive skills that you get that you upgrade along the way 
these are kind of ones that make like navigating like navigating the map and then even some of the fighting easier so with that there's like a dash that you get eventually a lot of like metroidvanias you you get stuff that makes mobility easier mm-hmm. so there is a dash that you get and you can upgrade that dash continuously throughout the game to get like you can dash through enemies at some point you can dash through um like electric like fences and whatnot there's a parry that you get at one point so that you can parry i mean it's very much along those lines there's an underwater breathing mask for underwater levels there's a thing to freeze time there's a thing to break certain barriers so you could get this like different types of collectibles so a lot of those passive skills along the way as well and then even more there are secondary items that you get so like this is there's so much going on that i it was really kind of you know overwhelming at first so there's like a secondary item that you can use that can also be upgraded through the game and those are carrot juice and that will heal you when you're going through levels there's a homing rocket that you get a dummy that you throw out and then it blows up if the enemies run into it and then there's these melee sticks that if you like time it right you can counter the enemy or something like that so along those lines there's all those things so all those moves that you upgrade for those three weapons those take sp essence and while you're playing through any metroidvania game you find a lot of secrets along the way and a lot of things to buff you up there are many secrets that you find to give you things like more max sp essence more max hp health and then more max ep which is the which is your secondary so you can use those secondary items more so you can use the carrot juice more to heal more and then with the sp essence you can use the special abilities that you get for your weapons that you unlock through the skill tree more so basically like taking your time finding secrets along this map throughout you know as you you know as you get more of those passive skills it allows you to get to new heights to break different walls to reach different areas it rewards you for basically doing all of that that finding of secrets and whatnot so by the end like by the end boss like i had actually gone through and it was actually really fun to kind of like dash around and use different skills to get through these these specific areas in this game but i i felt pretty beefy to the point where like i had almost max health i had quite a bit of of ep that i could use to heal myself and then quite a bit of sp i could use those special skills on the bosses to make it easier for me I mean, there's there's way more to it as well. I mean, there's data discs that you find another collectible. That's what you use in combination with the currency that you get. So you can actually upgrade your abilities. You have to have data discs for that. There's piggy banks that you can get, which is kind of funny with everything being animals in the game. Uh, the piggy banks, you just keep smacking the piggy banks. If you find those, and it spills out all the currency that you collect that you also have to use to purchase certain things like like uh, skills or keys to get secret items it's a bunch of crap um there's also plant seeds and plant seeds are things that you another like collectible that you find that you turn into somebody in one of the towns where all the good jazz music is going on and you turn it into them and then they give you currency and my cat is freaking out in the back back here um and then along those lines there's also posters that you can collect and those are more for um for more cosmetic things you collect posters you turn those posters in 
and you can use those to give you like different customizable fists, different customizable drills. Like for instance, I had a drill that looked like a carrot, and then I had a, I had a fist that actually was uh, kind of paying homage to Hollow Knight, which is one of the uh, another Metroidvania that I'm a big fan of. They kind of had like an art design like a uh, Hollow Knight, which I thought was pretty cool. So yeah, like a ton of stuff to collect any metroidvania game a ton of stuff to collect a ton of bosses to get through very challenging combat they really want to like you to make sure you're doing a bunch of combos and really learning like you know the boss's patterns and moves and whatnot so yeah it was it was challenging but like honestly i had a great time playing it and uh can't say enough good things about it i i, I really if people are interested in metroidvanias i definitely would consider you giving this a try it's uh they put a lot of work into it. It's it's really smooth combat. Like, I mean, a big thing of Metroidvania is, is you really want that smooth combat and you really want the smooth as you're like bouncing through, you know, level to level. So it's, yeah, I mean, a lot of different terrains, a lot of different art, a lot of different music. Excellent job. Cool. And you said you were looking at it when you're talking to your buddy. Did he end up playing through it as well? No, he never ended up playing it yet. Uh, he kind of, him and I were looking at it, and he said, oh, this might be up your alley, Mitch. Really cool art style, you know, and if you're interested in playing a Metroidvania game, and I was like, yeah, I think I, I might give it a try, and um, I think he got into Starfield, and then once that, once he got into that, uh, there was no turning back, so yeah. I waited until I finished this to uh, to play Starfield, but uh, I will say that it is what I'm playing now that I've finished Fist, uh, and uh, that's my teaser for now. I'm not ready to talk about it, but... Uh, I'm glad I waited and played uh, Forged and Shadow Torch because it was. I usually like. T I, it takes me a little while to sometimes beat Metroidvanias because I'm not very good at, you know, beating bosses in those kind of games, but I worked my way through it. Nice. But uh, yeah, that's really uh, all I've been playing and all I really want to talk about for now. But you've been playing a game that I, uh, I've actually considered playing as well, and you've actually talked about in one of your pickups that we had in a previous episode. Yeah, man. When I went to Gulf Shores this past July, I, was, I do my typical game hunting when I'm out there, and I came across a copy of Proteus for PlayStation 4. Now, I had heard about this game... I knew that it was kind of like a retro style shooter and something told me to pick it up. I was like, I hadn't seen the game anywhere. I know I just have a feeling that not a lot of co not a lot of physical copies were made of this. And I'm like, this is as good of a game as I've heard it is. I want a physical copy of this. So I figured I might as well snag that up now. I think I paid about 30 bucks for it for a new copy. Figured I might as well get it now before I find out later that I really like the game. And then by then, the price is insane on the collector's market. So yeah, I picked that up in July and then finally got a chance to play it. And yeah, it's freaking awesome. I, I highly recommend it. It is basically like, it's totally like Doom. And I don't mean Doom 2016 or Doom Eternal. I mean like the original Doom that came out in the 90s. It has that that vibe and that flavor. It's purposely made to look like an older game. Like even the enemies are sprite-based. So they're like 2D sprites, just like they were in the original Doom. And there's a lot of graphical settings in the menus where you can kind of fine-tune the look that you like like you can make it look super retro where it's literally mimicking it being like 
200 and the, re the resolution is like 320 pixels or something. And you can also toggle on and off having the 2D sprites. So if you prefer to have the actual 3D enemies and have it a more modern look, you can do that. If you prefer having it like 1080p, 4K or whatever higher resolution, you could do that. But me, I'm like, this is supposed to be an old school style shooter. So I kept on the 320 pixel resolution, kept on the 2D sprites, and I turned on like the, the CRT filter. So I have it totally oh. Oh. bit crunched into a real retro look. And to me, that's the style they were aiming for. So why not lean into it? This game is super brutal. So for the original Doom, there's actually a mod called Brutal Doom that just ramps up the gore and the violence. Mm. This basically is more like the Brutal Doom mod than the original Doom because it is just nonstop heavy-handed violence, heavy-handed gore. Every time you shoot an enemy, just so much blood splatters everywhere and the enemies blow up and jib in little bits. Just real crunchy and satisfying. Uh, What'd you say? I want to go, go back to where you were uh, talking about like you can mix those filters if you want it to be high-res or low-res. I, I think it's a really cool feature that they do in games, especially like remakes. Like I know I always go back to the Master Chief collection, but I remember playing Halo 1 remake on master chief collection and every level you could toggle and it would go to old graphics and you click it again it'll go to remastered graphics and you so you could do it every level and you could just whenever you wanted if you want to just go play in the old graphics you could you could do it whenever you wanted yes i loved that and there's a few other games that do that as well but i think more remakes or remasters should do that because yeah i want to see firsthand like i'll get used to the new graphics and won't realize how much they changed and enhanced so it's nice to be able to toggle to the old the old version and toggle back to the remastered version and just be like whoa they really did add a lot of detail yeah it really makes you appreciate the work that they put in to remaster this and you know do do everything to make it look so pretty and uh you know modern yeah and that's just technically impressive to me to be able to switch between two completely different graphic styles just yeah, like it's instantaneous. Yeah, that's it's wild to me. Yeah, I, I remember doing that when I was playing Halo One over again, and I was I was amazed. So Proteus, it's been a lot of fun. It is very simple levels, very simple game design, but it's just it's classic, man. Sometimes games are just fun. Sometimes games just get too focused on the wrong thing, and it's just like I just want to play a game. I just want to shoot some stuff. I don't need this super overcomplicated skill tree or just all kinds of crazy stuff i mean sometimes that's nice sometimes i'm totally in the mood to dive into customization stuff but sometimes i find myself just spending too much time in a game in a menu when really all i want to do is just be shooting monsters and just blowing stuff up and seeing a bunch of gore and just that primal aggressive gameplay and that's totally what this is now, there is a multiplayer. I have not tried that yet, and I really don't know how many people would be online playing this game. I've heard other reports of people saying there's, like, nobody in the servers, but I don't know. I'll give it a try for myself. But really, a, a Doom-like game like this, I'm really just in it for some single player. And another cool thing is it comes with a very detailed level editor. So essentially, oh, wow. after you beat the campaign, you just have thousands upon thousands of 
fan-made levels at your disposal you can download or you can make your own levels which that's always I was a nice ask. I was never one to really dive into those level editors like even with Halo I never got too deep into like the forge mode but I know a lot of people really love that and I had some friends that made some real cool stuff in forge did you ever mess around with that I never made any levels myself but I definitely played a lot of forge made material from from the Halos and I like what the Master Chief Collection and even just the, you know, Halo 3 did, they made a whole mode like centered around like crazy forged concoctions that people created in game modes that they made throughout it and, you know, put a lot of community made content into a full playlist that you could queue with. That was pretty fun. And like some of those fan made things actually turned into full fledged game modes that they brought into like, you know, to Halos like I know Rocket Race was like a big thing that was like a Forge thing where basically it's you and a buddy that are on a mongoose and you're, you know, you your buddy on the mongoose has a rocket and you're you're shooting other people that are on mon- mongooses and whatnot and you're trying to race through a uh, through a track to see who finishes first. So like, they, you know, I, I think it's cool that they did that for Proteus because like, I mean, a lot of fan-made content can really turn into, you know, like you know great great content for you know for years to come like you see in halo yeah it's where creativity can really shine i remember seeing a review for a game that released not that long ago i can't remember the name of it but basically the whole concept was you make a map and you try to make it as brutal as possible and then somebody goes through it i think it was like a either third person shooter or first person shooter so it's like it's all community made maps and the whole point is to kill the player. So if you're the one creating the map, then that's your style. You try to make it as brutal as possible, but then on the flip yeah. side you have people who are actually playing your your levels and trying to survive and get all the way through the end. It reminds me of something like a Mario Maker. Like that those are great. I love playing Mario Maker, but like here and there on my Switch cuz and I only go and do the fan-made stuff because those are so much fun to, like... It, they even, like, organize it by difficulty. So if you don't want to, like, do something that's impossible let a fan-made, you can, you know, tone it down a little bit. But it really adds a different layer on those uh, those Mario games. Yeah. How do they rank the difficulty? Is the person creating the map adding... Are they the ones saying what the difficulty level is? Or is there some type of algorithm that determines the difficulty there's probably an algorithm I want to say that that maybe like they factor in like how many like you know pitfalls or you know traps or what whatever they put into it there has to be something like an algorithm because there's like a mode called 100 Mario's I think is what it's called which is the one I play where like you just pick like a difficulty and then they just give you random ge- user generated maps that are from that difficulty and you have a hundred lives to try and get through like an entire like quote unquote mario world oh Um, that's cool yeah so yeah it definitely definitely a cool idea like yeah fan-made content can really turn into so much more and yeah you're seeing that all the time did you ever uh mess with the game called dreams which was a PS4 game? Nah, I heard. I've heard about it though. I, I never did either. It was literally like a. It, they were trying to sell it as like it was the world at your disposal. You could create anything you wanted in it. Yeah, I did watch some videos of some of the stuff people had made, and it's just crazy how different everything looked. It was hard to believe it was all coming from the same game. 
so it really looks like there was a lot of possibilities with what you could and make. And another on one that. that's like just recently been created is uh, you know, Epic Games has uh, allowed people to do a lot of creator tools within Fortnite, and people in Fortnite are creating like mimics of other games within Fortnite, and it's wild to me um there's a popular game crap i can't think of it um it's not called how high that's a that's a movie <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a game where like you're literally just trying to go you're keep you're trying to climb up as much as you can and then you like and if you fall like you have to start all the way over and start climbing up again i just i just heard about that game today actually um yeah it's but, uh only up only up thank you <laughs> yeah it got delisted I, you know you the, did the, yes the creator took it down he said it was like too like i guess it was too much like like graphic or something like that i'm i'm, I'm not sure i don't know the, the article i read was comparing the guy to the guy who made flappy bird basically saying like, oh. it was just too much too much success too quickly and too much stress and uh yeah i don't know who knows man some people just they don't they they just wanted to make a game they didn't want attention it's just they just wanted to create something not to go off on a huge tangent but that's like the guy who created wordle like the popular like daily word game that everyone was playing on a daily basis he said he, it was too much for him. He couldn't keep up. He sold it to the New York Times, and now they just do it, which good for him. He made a lot of money from it. <laughs> what what was that again? Uh, Wordle. Wordle. So it's okay. yeah, it's basically like you're just typing in like there's a word of the day, and you're trying to you only have a certain amount of guesses of the word, but like when you type in a word that you think it is, it'll tell you like oh like there is actually like two R's in this, but they are in the wrong place right now. So like it'll highlight yellow if they're like correct letter in the wrong place or like green if it's the right letter in the right place. And you get a certain amount of guesses to figure out the word. Hmm. But people were doing it like crazy for a while. It, it got really popular and uh, I haven't heard too much since. Wow. My only gripe with these games that are solely based on user-based content is eventually it's all going to be gone. As soon as they yeah. shut down the servers, I think it happened to Little Big Planet or it very well like the older Little Big Planets. Yeah, very well may have happened. Yeah, I think all I don't know. I, maybe I'm I, I'm misremembering that, but yeah, eventually at some point these servers have to get shut down, and then all of a sudden you lose access to just years of amazing creative work. It's just gone. I mean, funny story with that. Go back to Halo. In Halo Three, you could put like you had your own like video like gallery that you could put for like clips that you had, like in like games you played in Halo Three. And I had this really good one, like where I used the flare in Halo 3 and I like completely duped a guy and grabbed the flag and like got out of there. And you can like create it so you can go back and look at the other player. Like you can like follow a camera and look at the other player afterward. And it just shows him like looking around for me and he can't find me because I like completely bamboozled him. And like I want I want to see that again, but like it's gone. I forgot all about that. Yeah, a lot of games. I remember during the PlayStation 3 and 360 era had those 
those like video playback modes where you could go back. He would save, I don't know, 20 of your last matches and you could go yeah. back and actually control a camera and slow things down, fast forward, rewind, and just see what was going on. And like you said, I think you could even make clips from it. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you could put them in there like your like file share gallery, like highlights or whatnot, so people could look at your profile and watch your content. Which yeah, I was holy cool. crap, man, that's that was so ahead of its time. Like that's so ahead of its that's time. crazy how advanced that was, even especially for back then. I mean, I'm sure games have that nowadays, but I know, I know a lot of games are like photo modes and stuff. But Counter yeah. Strike does a really good uh, Counter Strike Go does a really good thing with that, where you can go back and watch full matches all the way through in different camera angles with different points of view. And my buddies and I usually do that to try and check for cheaters. If we think somebody's cheating on the other team, we'll go back after the match and be like, "Look, see how if he's shooting a little faster than uh, than he should be because he already sees us because he's walling or something like that." So yeah. it's kind of fun to go back and look. But yeah, I remember that. And you you basically were making like your own highlight reels, and yeah. You, other people could check them out man that was yeah it's been a lot people of cool making, stuff like, man hilarious screenshots like hilarious like videos somebody was actually actually hacked it at one point and was putting real life like photos in there and like people were like i mean it was children at the time or like you know like idiots were putting like porn in their in their file sharing like Dang. thing uh, yeah it was kind of it, it got dark for a while but uh <laughs> always does man yeah Somebody when you give people power hack into it you give a little power it, it, they'll they'll completely take control uh dang anywho i highly recommend proteus especially if you just want yeah. something mindless to uh, just crank through and kill and it's on the Xbox Game Pass again. That's it's the one I downloaded it because uh, you I, you had hyped it up, and uh, I'm gonna give it a try. Yeah, I think I never did play that Brutal Doom mod that I mentioned earlier. So I think after I beat Proteus, I'm gonna go back and check that out. Uh, but anyway, yeah, right now on Steam, it's on sale for seventeen dollars and fifty cents, and I mean, I paid thirty bucks for it, and I I feel like I got my money's worth. So it's definitely worth seventeen dollars and fifty cents. Uh, anyway, that's Proteus. Uh, the next thing I have to go over is in Atlanta. I don't even, I don't know if I've ever told you about this or if you've already heard about this. Are you familiar with Dragon Con? No, they, the, when we when you briefly mentioned it uh, when we were prepping, that's the first time I ever heard of it. All right, every year there is a big convention in Atlanta, Atlanta called Dragon Con. You know, it's similar to other conventions like Comic Con or anything else like that. But it's huge. And it just gets bigger and bigger every year. And just, I don't even know what the attendance is at this point. But it's like tens of thousands of people. And it's not just people from Atlanta. People come in from out of state to attend. And it's just, there's like three, at least three hotels they rent out to hold this convention. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. People rent out all the hotel rooms. I got a buddy who lives in Atlanta, but he still will rent a hotel room downtown just to be right there by the action when he spends the weekend uh, at Dragon Con. That's awesome. Anyway, tons of vendors, tons of panels, all kinds of stuff to do, and just cosplay, 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 just as far as the eye can see. Just all the amazing costumes people come up with, all kinds of different characters. 
I've only ever gone one year. I think that was in 2019. And I only got a day pass. So I met up with my buddy, who the one who goes every single year and stays for the whole weekend. I just got a day pass. And one of the things we did was go to the the costume contest. And that was amazing to sit through and watch. But in addition to the costume contest, actually at the convention, they also do a parade on Saturday. And they'll have everybody who who has a cosplay or has a costume, they're welcome to join in and be part of the parade. And people will get grouped together based on the theme of their costume. So like all the Star Wars characters are all together. All the the uh, the Ghostbuster characters are all together. All the Resident Evil characters are all together. And it starts on one one side of Peachtree Peachtree Street or Peachtree Road. I can't remember. There's so many so many streets and roads in Atlanta named Peachtree. It's like ridiculous. I can't even keep track. And then they go from one end to the other, and tons of people show up to sit down and watch. So. This is the second time that I've gone downtown to see the parade. I think I went in 2021, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Uh, It's hard to remember, I mean. But anyway, went to it this year. Took my mom. I I asked her. I was surprised that she said yes and that she would want to go. But I was pleasantly surprised. We took the MARTA train downtown because there's just no parking when the parades in town, so it's easier to just take the train down and yeah. you end up right there where the parade is going to be. But I love all the video game characters. So right off the bat, they jumped it off with Halo and they had a ton of Master Chiefs, like full blown professional Hollywood movie grade Master Chief costumes. It was very I feel impressive. Like if there's any of those conventions, there's always a Master Chief because I've gone to Comic-Con a few times and there's always a Master Chief decked out in the full. I like I am so jealous and want one of whatever the heck he got that from because they're always they do. They look legit. Yeah. And my other favorite part is the Resident Evil section. And I think it, to me it was bigger the last time I went, but there were still quite a few people dressed up. I mean, you've got all the Umbrella Corps marines or uh mercenaries or whatever and uh of course you got chris uh barry claire Any albert wesker leon albert wesker all of that and then that's of what course, i would want to be if i did it i would want to be albert wesker <laughs> yeah and of course you got the zombies too so i'll be showing some of the b-roll footage of that but i swear the last time i went there was more people but it still is a pretty good turnout in resident evil characters and we also have an amazing, amazing haunted house here in Atlanta called, uh, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on it, Netherworld. It's this massive haunted house. Again, it's just one of those things that just gets bigger and bigger every year. Mm-hmm. And what a perfect time. They have all these costumes. It's about to be October. Perfect opportunity to advertise. So they have their own section in the parade where they have bunch of monsters 
and you just get to see their their incredible designs and their incredible costumes. I I had a yeah. buddy that that worked there and he took me behind the scenes to see where they do all the makeup and the costumes and it is incredible. I mean, it is again, it's like Hollywood level studio for costume for making costumes and and doing creature effects. And they end up there's all kinds of weird stuff too. I mean, I'll throw some photos up. There's just some crazy quirky stuff. People are so creative, so clever. I remember this one instance and I did not really get a good shot of it, but there is a car painted to look like a car from Borderlands. Oh wow. And the guys were dressed up like Borderlands characters hanging out of it. Oh, that's sick. So that was neat. And yeah, and there was this creepy, creepy guy who was dressed up like an evil Ronald McDonald. And that was a very <laughs> disturbing costume. I loved it, though. And I mentioned earlier, and they have the Star Wars guys. They're the Star Wars um, section. Of and course. that is always the biggest section. Of course, the majority of people are going to be Star Wars characters. And that's always the finale. And it's just this epic finale. Because first of all, you see you just in a whole fleet of stormtroopers coming down the street. You're just like, dude, I'm in the middle of downtown Atlanta and there's literally like an army of stormtroopers marching marching down the road. And then every other character in between and some really cool vehicles too. Some people deck out their vehicles for that parade. Uh, of course, somebody always has to have a Batmobile and it's pretty awesome, man. So anybody that's in the metro Atlanta area, if you have not checked out the Comic-Con parade, check it out. It's, it's always on Saturday morning, every Labor Day weekend of every year. Dragon Con, right? You said Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I meant Dragon Con. Yeah, and, we need to time uh, a visit here because between this and then the Southern Fried Gaming Expo, these are two things that I would really be interested in going to. And uh, yeah, got to make it happen next year. Yeah, man, there's so much great stuff always going on in Atlanta. But, yeah, those two things you definitely have to come down for. All right, uh, let's see how we're doing on time. All right, we got some time. Let's, uh, let's knock out these last couple topics we have. Yeah. We'll try to go through them pretty quickly. But the other day, my buddy Brennan came over, and we just wanted to jam on some Guitar Hero and some Rock Band. So we did that, and we were switching between the two. He would pick a Guitar Hero game, we'd play a couple songs, I'd pick a Rock Band game, we'd play a couple songs, and we kept bouncing between the two franchises. That's and then so we landed. Cool. And I am, sorry, I, I'm so jealous that you can just literally say, all right, here's my collection, pick one, pick a song, like, and you can just switch back and forth the entire time. That is, yeah, that's too cool. Yeah, man, it's a beautiful thing. It, we were jamming for like two hours at least, uh, but yeah, he, he ended up, I don't know if he picked it or I picked it. One of us picked the Beatles rock band. And you had told me about that one. You said you had had that one and played that a lot. So this was my first time playing it. And it definitely stands out. It is... A lot of the Guitar Hero and Rock Band games just feel like rehashes of the previous ones. And sometimes, like, the first couple of Guitar Heroes are like a blur in my mind. Like, there's not... A whole lot of real distinction between them but the Beatles rock band is so styled 
to the Beatles. Everything about it just oozes like Beatles vibes. And it's it's awesome. Also, the Beatles music is amazing, which also helps. But we were playing it, and it was the trippiest game. I was like, dude, this game... Is, I, I know the Beatles were huge into psychedelics, and that was a huge part of their image, but this game is very psychedelic. And I can only imagine what it's like playing this game on like LSD or mushrooms or, or some other psychedelic. <laughs> but it seemed like every song started out with the Beatles just... just in the studio and then as the song ramped up and started reaching its crescendo you just all of a sudden the visuals just get super crazy and you're going on like some fantastic voyage into another dimension like we're playing it and like two-thirds into every song i'm like what is i'm trying to keep up and pay attention to the guitar i'm just like what is even going on here like this is just what it's a magical mystery tour. <laughs> really? And then, then all of a sudden the song ends and they're just back in the studio. And I'm just sitting there like, man, just flabbergasted. What, what just happened? So I got to thinking, what other games would be considered psychedelic? And uh, whether that be intentional or unintentional, I think the, the ones that we picked out on this list are largely intentional. And I also yeah. always wonder, do some game developers take psychedelics? And is that where they get a lot of their game ideas from? So I, I know we removed it from the list because we already talked about it, but Psychonauts, yeah. Who was the guy who made that again? Oh, crap. I can't think of his name. Double Fine Studios and... Uh, it's Double Fine. Um, anyway, they got to be doing some psychedelics at Double Fine because all their I mean, games are, like, really trippy. Their art style reminds me of, like, Tim Burton almost. Like, yeah. Like, so, anyway, that that was a good guy. choice, but we uh, we already dove pretty deep into that one. So the other one yeah. you picked was Katamari. And I've never Katamari. played this, but I've heard of it. So I, I yeah. see... I see on Steam it's actually listed under We Love Katamari Reroll Plus Royal Reverie. What is what does that even mean? Is that like a remaster or a complete edition or something? That's a quite the name. Yeah, so I I, I loosely played the Katamari franchise. Not not a ton, but yeah, the reroll aspect is them I I pretty sure remastering uh one of the Katamari games. Yeah, and looking at the, the description, royal... I see now that it does say the remaster. It's a remaster okay. version. Yeah, and then it says improved graphics and gameplay enhancements in Royal Reverie. I can't even say that. Royal Reverie. Roll up Katamari is the king of cosmos in his boyhood. I don't know if that's like an addition, maybe an expansion to the remaster. You're getting in the deep in the weeds at that point. But uh, anyway, this game looks so weird. Oh, strange. You said, like, our developers sometimes on psychedelics when they're creating games, they somebody had to have been on something when they're designing these characters. And the whole goal of these Katamari games is to just roll everything in a level up into a giant ball. So essentially, you're just rolling through maps and just getting bigger and bigger and collecting, like, everything in a level. And I... I 
I don't understand the, the complete purpose for doing it, but I know the objective is to make your Katamari ball as big as it can be. And the bigger you are, the bigger the things you can collect in the level. Funky, man. But yeah, funky art style, very colorful, very trippy. Um, yeah. And is everybody's I, head I, like a sushi roll or something? What's What's up with their heads? Yeah, that's a good question. Because some of them are like normal heads, but then like a lot of the characters though have that like sushi roll aesthetic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, how much is this going for right now? I'm curious. Oh, $30. It's a little rich for my blood, but... 30 bucks, but uh, not on sale, so, you know, yeah. I'm sure. I don't know. Maybe someday I'll try this. I, it pops up every now and then. I'm always like, what the frick is up with this game? Yeah, I, I don't even know. Probably play at a friend's house back in the day or something, but yeah, I've... Uh, yeah. It, it's different. <laughs> All right, so the next game I wanted to talk about is a game that is literally called LSD Dream emulator for the original playstation for playstation one as an interesting story about this game it was an artist who released i think just two maybe three video games but he wasn't necessarily a really into game development or being a game designer and he made it as an art project there's really no purpose to the game it's like the original walking simulator and you're just going around from area to area. And anytime you either touch something or bump into something or just spend have spent too long in one location, it transports you to another location. And apparently a lot of the ideas were pulled right out of um, one of the developer's dream journals. So it definitely mm. has a very strange dreamlike vibe to it. And it is very bizarre. The art style is strange. Apparently it was released and a very limited release in Japan only. And I played it before we started this episode because I'd heard about it time and time again. Thanks to the internet, it was rediscovered and developed kind of a cult following. But at the time, it was very obscure and it slipped into obscurity for, for decades. So I got to say... It's an interesting concept, and also anytime I play an old game, I have to put myself back in the time frame when it was made. If I'm playing a game from 1997, I got to go back to what it, what games were like in 1997. I can't compare it to anything contemporary. But even yeah. having said that, I probably would not have liked this game as a kid when I had a PlayStation One, and that was it. Because it's just there's again, there's no gameplay. You're just walking around. There's like no point to it. A lot of the areas are recycled, and it's just yeah. Like 15 minutes into it, I was like, all right, I, I get it. I think I've seen everything there is to it. Uh, definitely trippy. Definitely colorful. Definitely weird. At one point, something yeah. some vampire thing came out of the air and made me jump. But other than that, it. Uh, I don't think I'll ever dive into it again. But uh, you were you were watching me play. Any thoughts on that game? Uh yeah, very trippy. The uh, the walking was was very interesting in it, with your guy kind of like bobbing up and down as you're walking, you know. And then like the footsteps sound effects were kind of funny to listen to. Um, but yeah, just very bizarre. There was the point part where you'll probably show it on the B roll, but uh, where you're going into that supermarket 
thing that just completely like is separate from any of the aesthetic that game had and it's just like an actual like like recording of somebody in like an actual store and that you were talking like you said that you had uh you had yeah. heard of prior to that was weird yeah between levels there was just some actual footage of like a marketplace in japan and i swear i just watched a youtube video that took place in that exact same area so it's just very bizarre speaking of trippy it was very trippy that i'm playing this game that was made like 30 years ago and there's just some random footage of a marketplace that i just saw in a youtube video that came out like a week ago it reminds me of those uh, videos that you were showing me. I think it was you that was showing me of like there's a whole like YouTube rabbit hole of people that are like watching like uh, PlayStation One release day, you know, 2000 whatever. And you just watch people in like a GameStop like buying PlayStations. Yeah, I love watching. It's just like people's home movies of just random everyday ordinary stuff, but from decades ago. So yeah, it'll be like. It, shopping at Kmart in, in 1998 or something. But it's just trippy, like just seeing footage of everyday life from time, from the past is literally like going in a time machine. Yeah, it's and, very nostalgic. Yeah, it's trippy when it's, it's times that I live through, when it's stuff from like the 90s or the early 2000s. Cause like you said, like you and I were alive then, so we can kind of go back to that and be like, whoa, and kind of relate to it. But even watching footage from like the the 50s, 60s, 70s, 40s, 20s, whatever it is, even that is just fun to watch. To just it's literally a looking glass into the past, whether it was our lifetime or even before that. Yeah. It's funny how you can like you can always like know like where like what time period certain things in when you know what console you were playing at the time, I guess. Like it kind of it could kind of like place you in certain time periods. Like you know where you were at at this time because you were playing an Xbox three sixty. Yep. Uh yeah, and a lot of that footage when it's like shopping at Kmart or something and they go by the electric electronics section and it's got like a gamecube kiosk and some kids playing yeah. it or uh or they're in some like old arcade in the mall and you see the old arcade machines yeah it takes man it takes me right back to that time that's uh, that's memorable i mean when you're a kid and you're in kmart where do you go you go straight to the elect back then you would go straight to the electronics section hop right on a kiosk and play the demos or watch the demo videos until your parents were done shopping or whatever whatever reason you were there yeah, I remember even like at the malls, like in like the random like Macy's or JC Penney portions of the mall, they would still have a Nintendo 64 kiosk just in the middle because they knew that moms would bring their kids to go shopping, and they're like the kid, be, they're like, hey, just go play the N64 over there and just let me do my shopping. So like, I would be in there on the N64 playing like SSX Tricky or whatever the heck was on there, and yeah, that, good times. Yep. All right, so anyway, this LSD game <coughs> is, <coughs> like I said, it was obscure, only released in Japan, and there were not a lot of copies of it. So, and it has a cult following. What does that mean to me? In my mind, it's probably highly collectible. And sure enough, you hop on eBay right now, you're seeing listings for 
Somebody's asking $2,254. And the cheapest copy on here is, um, well, I'm not going to count stuff that's for bids. Look, only uh, buy it now. Looks like the cheapest copy is $750. Yep. So highly highly collectible people are paying seven eight hundred dollars for this game it is a nice looking ps1 disc though i mean that yellow is very appealing uh <laughs> i don't know if it's 750 dollars uh, appealing but you know yeah. to each their own let's see here i think you can specifically look at show only um sold items let's see what this actually all right so yeah some recently sold one just sold about two weeks ago for $880. Another one just sold for about $1,200. One sold for $740. Somebody got a deal, I guess, on that one. Another one sold for $1,000. Another one sold for $750. Another one sold for $790. Another one sold for $1,300. I mean, people are after this game. And I just want to know who these people are, like that that they're buying these. I just really want to know who these collectors are and just their thought process of buying this. Exactly, because it's not that good of a game. That's what blows my mind. All right, it's, some things become collectible that are just not that great. And I'm not bashing on this game. It wasn't a horrible game. It was it was neat and, and trippy, but it's not. It wasn't super fun. There isn't game. There's no gameplay to it. It's just a random kind of walking simulator. And uh, yeah, who who is dumping a dropping a thousand dollars on this game? And what are they doing with it? Are they playing it? (laughs) Maybe they're taking drugs and playing it. Yeah, who knows? But it's just a weird phenomenon that some stuff just for some reason or another becomes collectible, even though it's not not like super fun or amazing or anything in particularly extraordinary about it with my collecting i like to collect things that i i want to play though with my game collecting it's usually like things that i can see myself actually at some point putting in a disc drive and playing it you know i i just can't see myself collecting things that i i don't think i would ever like be interested in playing like myself because it's like then why am i you know I don't have a passion for collecting this thing then. Then it's just like it's just a another game on the shelf that I'll never touch. Yeah. And I remember I had gotten uh what was that game called? 3D Dot Heroes for PlayStation 3. I found it at a pawn shop for five dollars. And uh it's become one of the more collectible games on the PlayStation 3. And I played it. And it was not very fun. It had good reviews online. Some people liked it, but I played it. I did not enjoy it. I didn't think it was particularly that the great of a game. And so at that point, there was no reason for me to keep it. Like, yes, it's collectible. But to me, again, it's not something I would ever play again. It's not something I was interested in. So, yes, I mean, if I if I buy any games... I have a very specific taste, so my collection is a lot of the same genres. I mean, it's first-person shooters, it's horror games, it's stuff along those lines. Of course, I have 
some things to to switch things up and keep it fresh but yeah i don't i don't get anything just because it's collectible and if it's not a game i'm gonna play or, or have an intention of playing i'm not gonna get it especially not for a thousand bucks or whatever if it's something extremely expensive but yeah. i know some people just like to covet collectible items which yeah i don't know I don't always understand it. But speaking of collectibles, Mitch, you found a very interesting collectible that's coming out. So we all have nostalgia for the Xbox 360. And uh, mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and let you explain it because you're the one who found this and probably can explain what it actually is. Yeah, it's been kind of all over the uh, the video game socials recently but uh a target exclusive gotta make sure we uh you know give props to target yeah, why target it's, first all right first of all this is random super random second of all the fact it's a target exclusive is even more random but anyway carry on yeah very very random i guess there are, there are really no toys r us's anymore so maybe that would have been a good thing for the toys r us's back in the day but i digress anyway you will soon if you would like for $150, I have to put that in front. You can buy yourself a brand new Xbox 360, except it's not an actual Xbox 360. It is a, essentially what they call a Mega. I think Mega is the brand that it's, they're essentially Lego, but uh, not Lego. So it's a three by four scale Xbox 360 collector set. So you are going to put this thing together. It is 1,342 pieces that you will be assembling that looks just like not only the Xbox 360 console, the guts of the Xbox 360 console, an actual Halo 3 box with disc inside, and an Xbox 360 controller. So, you know, shout out to Mega Brands for, you know, creating this thing. I don't know what prompted the partnership between Xbox and Mega in the first place. I also don't know what prompted them to maybe say, hey, let's do an Xbox 360 with Halo 3. Like, I, I it just seems incredibly random to me, but for $150, you are able to purchase this, assemble it, and display it wherever you would like. Okay, so first off, it is kind of cool that the controller and the console actually light up. I didn't realize that when you first showed me this article. I did not either, but that is that is pretty cool. Second of all, it's let's... It does come with a disc of Halo 3 but again, I don't think it's an actual functioning disc. I think it's just a model of no. it, the Halo disc. Um, which, that is cool that they landed on Halo 3. I mean, with all the Xbox 360 games, they could have went with uh, Halo 3's pretty, pretty iconic as a 360 game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, let's, get, let's go to that price point. For 150 bucks, I could buy, I could go to the pawn shop right now and buy like three actual Xbox 360s that actually play games, as opposed to just buying a Lego style fake one. 
and it's still pretty large. Two-thirds scale is quite large. So this is not like just some tiny little Lego thing you're gonna sit on your desk or on a shelf. Like you need some significant shelf space to display this thing. Yeah, and then over again, 1, my pieces, mind is like that's go ahead. What are you crazy, gonna say? Yeah, over one thousand pieces. Like it's you know, while well, one hundred fifty is a bit bit steep for my liking. I mean, at least you're gonna get your money's worth in the amount of work you put into assembling it, and then to, you know the space that it takes up displaying it. Yeah, I mean, it is cool that like literally it has like the motherboard and graphics card and everything inside of it. That you're yeah, building. the whole guts, man. Interesting, but, but Lego. Lego stuff is pretty cool. And I always liked Lego stuff that actually looks like real items. Um, but yeah. It's saying in this article that the uh, hard, uh, it says the pre-orders have already sold out. So people do what? want this. <laughs> okay, okay. I, mean, I love the Xbox 360. I totally have nostalgia for it, but I would, I would have a real 360 on my shelf way before I ever had a uh, a Lego model of one. But again, there are Lego fanatics. Legos themselves can be very collectible. Uh, it, there is the enjoyment in building the stuff. I mean, there's tons of Lego sets and people just love to put them together and then you have something to show for it. You're like, check out this, this thing I assembled and built. There is a lot of appeal to Legos, but I do know that in recent years, Lego sets have just gotten crazy expensive. And uh, yeah, 150 bucks is a lot of money. That me personally, I'd put that towards video games, which uh, I think I would get a lot more enjoyment out of than a Lego set. And, but I will say, I love the box this thing comes in. That is very nostalgic yes. and it looks very close to the original Xbox 360 box. Even that was a nice touch. Yeah, I I wonder if it matters that it's not actually Lego brand, it's this mega brands, but uh, you know, apparently it doesn't because it's already sold out the the pre-orders. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of people are like it's got to be Legos. They're real uh brand loyal, but Anyway, definitely a I cool I like how item. it says uh, do we really think it should be 18 plus on the box? It says 18 plus. Is that just kind of a... <laughs> what? Usually they're like seven and up because they don't want little kids swallowing the Lego pieces. But yeah, I don't know why anybody, why a 17-year-old couldn't have this or a 16-year-old couldn't have this. Maybe something with the light up uh, functionality. There might be something else that you have to do with it. I don't know. I don't know. I would be offended as a teenager. Yeah. Uh, you think I'm going to hurt myself on a Lego set? It's 16, Your mom and my dad would still have bought it for us. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, just all the neat, quirky stuff, man. This goes back to just video game swag. There's even beyond video games, there's so much just weird little trinkets and items that are just game themed. But good find, man. Good share. That yeah, I got yeah, a, a good laugh a out of that when you sent me it. <laughs> I know I texted to my uh, my friend chats and uh, one of my buddies like he's like he just said, types back WTF um and then I'm like oh it's like you know it's like kind of like Legos he's like I don't get the point of this <laughs> <laughs> I don't and I'm like yeah that's probably what a lot of people think <laughs> yeah nice all right man I think that should do it for this episode. 
So thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks again if you made it all the way to the end of the episode. Greatly appreciate you joining us. You can find all our episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Where else we at, Mitch? Yeah, social media accounts. You can find us on X. X. Oh, yeah. We're we're no longer on Twitter. Twitter's dead, man. We're now on X. X. Uh, that is at the hills are silent. Our Instagram is Instagram backslash hills are silent. Our TikTok is at the hills are silent podcast. YouTube again, at the hills are silent. Any questions, comments, uh, any game recommendations? We want to hear your feedback. We will talk about it on the show. Hills are silent at gmail.com. We will catch you on the next episode. <laughs>